still coming up the gangplank, but it is almost time to start. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Wednesday and it's November, November 1st, 2017. I'm Adrian Jeffries. Today on the show, is sugar really killing us? And why some people love spoilers? Here's the dispatch. Culture. Today, children everywhere are diving into trick-or-treat candy by the fistful, probably despite their parents' warnings not to eat too much sugar. We're constantly told that sugar is killing us, making us obese, that it's an addictive poison. But Yvette Dontremont is with us to ask, is it really? Yvette, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Why do people keep comparing sugar to addictive drugs? It's, there are a handful of reasons. Number one, uh, that after the low fat craze, uh, didn't, uh, didn't really give us the results we all expected that, you know, it's like we, we cut the fat out of everything and, you know, everyone wasn't automatically skinny. We had to go and find, you know, the next nutrient that we could demonize that we could cut out of food. And, you know, automatically, of course, that would be, that would be the thing. And right now it's been, uh, it's been sugar. But is sugar addictive? That doesn't seem to be the case. And I know that a lot of people will say, I have a sweet tooth, I crave sugar. And yeah, you know, you do, you can, you know, want that sweet taste. You can want certain uh, flavors. But uh, we did find a, a really good meta analysis that showed that one certain, any one certain macronutrient uh, didn't have uh, an addict, any um, addictive properties to it, that people's eating patterns. Uh, could have addictive, could show addictive behaviors, but that people didn't tend to exhibit addictive behaviors towards any certain macronutrients. And I think it's because people think if something tastes sweet, that they're only craving uh, and they're only eating the, you know, the sugar in it, but people don't sit down and eat a bowl of sugar. You eat, you know, a cookie or you eat, uh, things that have, you know, some sugar as a component of something that also has, uh, you know, protein and has fat in it. So we're, you know, we're eating things that have multiple components and we're not taking into account that, uh, that our diets have a lot of things other than just sugar. And overall, the data does show that we're eating more uh, or that the increase in our diet is much uh, higher in fat than in sugar recently. Who is Mark Hyman? This is someone you talked about in the piece. So Mark Hyman is a doctor at the, uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, and he's the head of their functional medicine department. And he, uh, he, he does kind of promote this model that fat or that the consumption of dietary fats can promote thinness. Uh, you know, it's no matter how you choose to balance your diet, uh, that's, you know, that's up to you. What works for you is fine. But this promotion of fat as though the calories and fat don't matter, uh, is, you know, seems to be a bit of a problem because no matter where you're getting your calories from, those can, those can add up. And I, I think people need to need to be aware of that, especially if they're getting that information from a doctor. We are recording this on Halloween, which means that when this airs, uh, there will be lots of children around the country who have access to a lot of sugar. What impact does sugar have on kids? Does it make them crazy? 
it makes them happy, I, I think. I don't know. I haven't been around kids much lately. But uh, there's, you know, that is a really common misconception that sugar makes kids hyper. And one of the reasons that happens is, of course, because correlation and causation. Um, we think that, you know, we see a lot of times when kids are eating a lot of sugary treats is that, you know, when it's around parties and things like that, or they're having sugar at the same time that they're having caffeine, which we often forget is a very commonly consumed drug. Um, you know, we we really searched to see if there was proof for this, and we found um, some carefully done, some double-blind, placebo-controlled studies. Uh, one that was, I believe, published in the in the New England Journal of Medicine. That's a pretty good standard uh, that showed that children did not exhibit uh, ADHD symptoms or any other uh, psychiatric symptoms from ingesting sugar. So that one's busted. We also, I feel like we hear about good sugar and bad sugar. Like there's this idea that sugar from fruit is better from better for you than high fructose corn syrup. What is that, the distinction there? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously get your fruit. I don't want that to be lost in the article. You should obviously, you know, eat. I'm not saying to eat candy and not fruit. Like once in a while, eat the candy. But, you know, first of all, get your fruit. Uh, but your pancreas has no clue where it's getting the sugar from. Like, yeah, you know, there are there are some subtle differences in how your body processes fructose versus glucose versus, uh, you know, the handful of other osis uh, out there uh, that are, you know, that are the, all the groups of sugars. However, calorie per calorie, they're all pretty much the same. And it doesn't matter if you get them from fruit, uh, from a Snickers bar, uh, or, or from anywhere else. They're, they're all gonna, they're, they're all gonna add up if you don't burn them off and they're all gonna fuel your, fuel your life really well. Okay. Let's just get some straightforward answers here. Will sugar give me diabetes? Sugar will not give you diabetes. What about cancer? Will sugar give me cancer? There is no evidence to suggest that sugar will give you cancer. Pretty much every type of cell in your body feeds off of glucose, and that includes tumors. So the rumor started based on the fact that uh, tumor cells feed off of glucose. So people thought that if you could starve your body of glucose, you could starve the tumors of glucose. But they forgot that uh, no matter what you eat, your body and your you know your insulin is going to convert. The, uh, those calories and those uh, uh, those macronutrients into glucose eventually, hence fueling the tumor. So we do eventually need something other than uh, you know other than just wishful thinking and unicorn tears to kill a tumor. All right. So it sounds like what you're saying is that I should go home and stuff my face with Halloween candy. I I think that's a good idea. I mean, it's Tuesday. What else are you going to do? They've already indicted everyone they're going to for the week. It's time to go home. Culture. Scrolling through social media during a major TV event can be a risky minefield of spoilers. But writer Matt Domino doesn't care about those spoilers at all, and he wanted to know why. Hey, Matt, thanks for being on the show. Hey, sure, no problem. Happy to be here. Matt, why don't you care about spoilers? Well, um, I guess it's sort of a complex question, and uh, that's sort of why I wrote the piece. But um, I really, t to as far as I could tell, I just don't care <laughs> per se, like having this plot ruined for me. Um, and 
there's sort of like this impetus for myself to just find out what is going to happen. Do you do this for all TV and movies that you see? Not everything, but I do it for a lot. So one of the weirder ones I'd say is that um, I grew up uh, watching professional wrestling. I haven't really actively watched it since I was like 14 or 15, I'd say. Um, but for some weird reason in the last couple years, I've gotten into a habit of just reading the reviews of what happens on Raw. Um, and then I never watch it, but it's just a way of, for me, of like kind of staying on the beat or kind of staying involved in a topic that had some kind of formative effect on me. And I guess I still have some weird, deep-seated uh, interest in, I guess. Full disclosure, I also read spoilers. Oh, really? I read spoilers mostly for horror movies for which mm. I've seen the trailer before a movie that I actually went to see. And I'm like hooked on some stupid part of the plot. And I'm like, what happened? I don't actually yep. want to see it because I don't like watching horror. Exactly. You did some research into possible explanations for this impulse. What yeah. did you What did you find? Uh, yes. You know, I found that there was... You know, some accounts that are more like bloggy or, you know, personal essay in nature about why people uh, or why certain people like reading spoilers. And then they all seem to be tied to this research that was done um, by these two professors from the University of California in San Diego, Nicholas Christenfeld and Jonathan Levitt. And basically, I wrote I reached out to Nicholas Christenfeld and they had conducted some studies um, with, you know, pretty good size control groups, uh, over 800 people in total. Um, using different kinds of short stories um, and to a certain extent spoiling the plot. And, you know, the results that they found overall um, were that spoilers don't really ruin um, a story for someone. They actually enhance it because you're not so concerned with the twists and turns that a plot is going to take and wondering what's going to happen, that you're really just focusing on the, the journey that you're taking. And then, you know, after looking into that study and speaking with Professor Christenfeld, I also saw that there was another professor, William Levine, uh, from the University of Arkansas, Fayetteville, and he did some follow-up research. Uh, you know, his, his students that he worked with, you know, kind of poked a hole in that previous research from Christenfeld and Levitt that that study didn't really represent what it's like to actually have Game of Thrones spoiled for you by, you know, someone at a party or a bar or something like that. Um, so they tried to, you know, they would give people stories to replicate that initial study and then kind of stop them in the middle and have a spoiler in the middle of the story that tells them what's going to happen next. And that the result of that wasn't as conclusive that, you know, getting spoilers was enhancing. Um, it showed a little bit more that they actually ruined uh, the experience, but it, it wasn't very conclusive at all. Um, but in talking to Professor Levine, he spoke about another study he was going to be working on that looked at the need for closure and why people might read spoilers to, you know, uh, to obtain closure and figure out, you know, the ending to something or have a, a finality. Um, and then so I looked up that term and then I found that there was these two social psycho psychologists, uh, Ari Kruglansky and Donna Webster, who developed this term, the need for closure, which is basically the scale that determines um, how much a person needs to have definitive answers, doesn't like to hear opposing viewpoints, needs clarity. And I spoke to Professor Kruglansky about the, the research that he'd done and, you know, asked him if spoilers fed into that scale. Um, and he felt very much that they did, that, um, you know, a person that 
volitionally read spoilers um, is probably someone that has a high need for, for closure, for giving definitive answers and to the definitive ending of, of, of things. So you took the test to see what your need for closure is. What, what was your result? The result wasn't very, um, you know, distinct. It was just uh, a moderate need for closure. So I guess that just means I'm sort of in the middle, like I'm generally a practical person. But it seems like it was a kind of inconclusive as to whether that explains your habit. Yeah, I'd say overall, um, you know, I think the reasons vary certainly from, you know, all the people I've spoken to. Matt, thanks so much for talking to us. Sure. No, thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for The Dispatch. If you are looking for more things to listen to, our editor-in-chief, Josh Topolsky, recently relaunched his podcast. It's called Tomorrow. Every two weeks, he tries out something new that he's never done before and takes your calls about it live. Last week, he tried a Korean skincare routine. You can find out how to subscribe at theoutline.com slash podcasts. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm Adrian Jeffries, and we will be back with more tomorrow morning.